are. Here we are at the end of Cold Boy Summer. Oh, wow. Brr. <laughs> I've been truly frosted this time. <laughs> wow. Stay frosted so you don't gotta get frosted. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Man, guess who got frosted in this series? Bella. Bella got frosted. She's having a warm girl summer for most of these yeah, movies. Yeah, she has and She enters cold girl summer by the end. I've got a question for you. I've got a question for you. Okay. Would you say that overall, on just like on the whole, the Twilight Saga is a hot boy summer or a cold boy summer? Well, it is cold boy summer. I mean, that is the series. Mm-hmm. Do you mean, like, is the whole series flop or bomb? Yeah, basically. It's tough. (laughs) It's tough. I I would say I didn't enjoy watching more of it than I enjoyed watching. True. But I would also say I enjoyed watching more of it than I expected to. (laughs) Also true. So, okay, here we are. Uh Uh-huh. We've watched all five. Mm -hmm. What was your flop to bop ratio uh if i remember correctly it was three flops to two bops yes what was your flop to bop ratio Uh, mine was one bop to four flops (laughs) and i stand by that i do think there is a lot to like in new moon specifically that doesn't push it over into a a full-on bop but i Uh think you'll see that reflected in my rankings okay well, here's something I want to say before we get into rankings. Is yeah. I would like to say something which you will never hear me say ever again. <laughs> but something in defense of Stephanie Myers. Mm. And two, something in defense of more concise filmmaking. Mm-hmm. First off, when she wrote these books, when she wrote the first book, she only wanted to write one sequel that was Breaking Dawn, right? Yeah. I think that makes sense because stuff actually happens in this one. In the last two movies combined, mm-hmm. if you were doing like Twilight to Breaking Dawn, you're like, oh, okay, like that makes sense. Stuff happens. That's cool. That's exciting. That's compelling. It's a complete arc. It happens. Now, I think there's enough stuff that she had to make up for the other books to fill out a third interstitial movie. Hmm. And I think the third interstitial movie, the 15 introductory minutes of Twilight, and tag it on to the beginning of New Moon. You could do an interstitial movie that covers all of the stuff between Eclipse and the end of Breaking Dawn Part 1, and then you do Breaking Dawn Part 2 as a standalone. Mm -hmm. You trim them all down, because they're all too long, and then you have like everything you need. And I think if you were just going to do that as a watcher, you would watch New Moon and this movie, or in the last, uh, the fifth one. I could see it. I definitely think there is... I mean, we've talked about a lot of the weird storytelling going on across this whole series. Truly. And I do think that Melissa Rosenberg is doing a good job of pulling out sort of the conventional parts of these stories and mm. finding ways to hone in on them and like ground them mm-hmm. in that. And I also think there are some directors in the series who are really taking it seriously and like grounding it in that heart i think we're lucky that you sort of have the two movies back to back up front that are very serious about grounding you in the characters 
because then when things go off the rails, you like care about them a little bit more than if you just watch those movies. Yeah, I was at the end of the at the end of the fifth one. I was like, I'm moved by this despite myself. Like, I've just mm-hmm. spent too much time watching these people, and now I care about them. Mm-hmm. Like, just by osmosis at this point, frankly, you know, like it's nothing they're doing. It's just they're they've been there for long enough in front of my yeah. eyes. I care. You yeah, know? I I agree. What's your ranking? Okay, well, before we give ours, I wanted to compile the critical ranking, because I know we talk about the Metacritic each time. The critical ranking was number five, New Moon. Number four, Breaking Dawn Part 1. Number three, Breaking Dawn Part 2. Number two, Twilight, the original. And number one, Eclipse. Wow. That's that's so crazy. There's a... A fairly wide margin, too. Like, Eclipse has a 58 at number one, and New Moon has a 44 in that last slot. Wow. So, Damn. a pretty wide quality margin, people thought at the time. Well, what would, what would you think at this time? Okay, this is mine. Number five, Eclipse. Uh-huh. Both morally and in direction, the worst of the series. Uh-huh. Like, all of that Jacob, like, I'm going to show you that you love me stuff is so Uh bad. It's also just that that movie is so slow and so poorly directed. And it's like, that one, looking at all of them now, that one has the most conventional structure and maybe the most, like, consistent action. And yet it is still, like, the most boring to watch. So boring. I also want to say, looking back at it, I think that... David Slade's decision to go full camp with that one, mm-hmm. like, really sticks out like a sore thumb because none of the others do it. Like, I don't think Condon does it. Yeah. And the early two definitely don't. So it may have made that one, like, have a little bit of mainstream crossover at the time, but I think it makes that movie feel especially weird now. That's fair. Yeah. A four, I would go Breaking Dawn Part 2. Hmm. Three, I would go Breaking Dawn Part 1. In both of those movies, my favorite parts are the credits, which is not a slight. It's that they both have amazing credit sequences that are very unlike the rest of the movie. But I'm just sort of a sucker for, like, let's take this big budget franchise and examine how the characters feel about things. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I think I prefer 1 a little bit over 2. Also... Yeah, the effects in two are somehow really bad. Then I go number two, New Moon. Mm-hmm. I think the best directed, the stylistically best of mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. I love the slow-mo Tom York sequence. I was talking to our friend Michael the other day. Mm-hmm. He was like, how's the podcast doing? I brought up that we were doing Twilight. And he brought up that sequence just as someone who just watched those movies in theaters at the time and hasn't thought of them since. He was like, oh, yeah, there's this awesome sequence where they're playing a Tom mm. York song mm-hmm. and running through the jungle. Yeah, and I think that is, like, one of the coolest things in any blockbuster. But I also like the Jacob Bella scene, like that the scene where they're in the rain and he's like, I can't be friends with you because i want to kiss you so much and she's like well i guess i'm going to kiss you because i need you to stay my friends damn and they're like in the pouring rain and about they're like have both made the choice and are about to do it and then the phone rings like uh 
Damn, that that's scene is good. pretty hot. That's pretty hot. That is hot, man. Yeah. And then number one, I would go the original. I think like the most sort of unlike the rest of the series. Yeah. But like, I think if you're gonna watch one, it's the most fun. That's the only one I would recommend, like to just anyone. And that's the one I think that gets the right balance of like so wild and bad that it is good. <laughs> and also sort of accessible in its storytelling. Like it is sort of a regular high school movie for a lot of it. Yeah. Until the last 30 minutes when they're like, oh, wait, here's a bad guy. Oh, it's over. Yeah. I just think it's so boring, but we'll, we'll get I don't think that. it's boring at all. I think it is thrilling to watch Robert Pattinson give a performance as bug nuts insane as he does in that movie. His accent in that movie is really just weird. By the time you get to both of the Breaking Dawns, he has, like, checked out. Oh, he is phoning it in 100%. Not in, like, as horrible of a way as I imagine. Like, he doesn't look miserable to yeah. be there. No. He just looks like he is sort of, like, bemused and does not care about what's going on. Like, he has none of the makeup, but, like, think about that wild animalistic performance he's giving in the first movie. Dude, it's nuts what he's doing in that it's first crazy. movie. It's crazy. He's, it like... insane. He's doing all of this, like, nose-breathing acting, which yeah. is really alarming. Uh, yeah. It is pretty... Okay, it is pretty great. All right, here's my That's ranking. That's my take. Please. Number five, Eclipse. Mm-hmm. Un- unquestionably. Number four... Breaking Dawn Part 1. Mm-hmm. Number 3, Twilight. Mm-hmm. Number 2, Breaking Dawn Part 2. Number 1, New Moon. Wow. I think New Moon is, like, the most interesting. I think it's the most empathetic. I think it is, like, mm-hmm. the one where there's the most acting going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the most, like, actual real scenes between people. And I think it, like, progresses the plot. And yeah. I also just think that... Breaking Dawn Part 2 just kicks a hell of a lot of ass. I would mm-hmm. rather watch it than any of the other ones by, like, a long shot. But I do yeah. think that New Moon is, like, the better film. So that's my take. I think that you could make, like, an hour and 30 cut of New Moon that would be great. Yeah. And I think at, like, 2.20, it's just stretched a little it's... too thin. <laughs> yeah, 2.20 is, like, a little <laughs> long. <laughs> For a movie that's about one character leaving and then coming back. Dude, end. it's really like it's really like the Dark Knight. It's like <laughs> it is the same length as Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, and it has about <laughs> a quarter of the things going on. Cool thing that I heard that happened uh-huh. as the result of these movies, and specifically the last one, almost mm-hmm. cracking a billion, is that uh, definitely in Hollywood, probably in a lot of other fields too mm-hmm. sort of things that are geared towards boys mm-hmm. are considered universal oh, and uh-huh. things that are geared towards girls are considered niche you right. know right like people are like everyone will like transformers but girls will like twilight which is like i mean like uh, aside from it being incredibly sexist like there's mm. nothing better about transformers than twilight yeah i think there's a I, lot of things I, much I, worse I think, I think like <laughs> well I, but i just mean like quality wise as films yeah. you know like i would yeah. any more rather recommend somebody go watch transformers than go be like go watch new moon or like yeah go watch 
the second part of Breaking Dawn, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Same ratio of stupidity, action, and (laughs) sexism, you know? Like, (laughs) yes. Yes, for sure. Sort of been the status quo, but I read as a result of of this movie making so much box office, there was sort of a rush for studios to, like, get all of their girl power, Mm. was the quote they used, their girl properties. So, like, this specifically led to, over the next two or three years, The Hunger Games... Divergent, mm. Brave, and Frozen. Wow. All coming out like immediately after this and sort That's... of saying like, you know, I feel like this is the Disney thing. Like everyone will like Aladdin, but boys won't like The Little Mermaid. Stuff like that, you know? God. But now they are like, yeah, like everyone will like Frozen. Like it's funny and it's got action and it's about girls. Yeah. And no one will like Artemis Fowl. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say Artemis Fowl was geared towards boys? I, it was geared specifically towards me, and only me. <laughs> a, a weird little thing in these movies that I wrote notes about every movie I don't think I ever said on air. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to talk about it now. Yeah. Every t- There's this character who ends up dating, married to Charlie, and every time she showed up, in the last four movies, I was always like, who is she? Like, they hint at these little plot lines with her. Uh-huh. Like, at first I thought she was married to Jacob's dad. And yeah. then there's some sort of, like, love triangle that's hinted at between Jacob's dad and Charlie and this lady. Damn. And then she ends up being a big part of the last one, kind of. And kind I was of. still like, who is she? But in the background, her name is Sue. Yeah. You hear it just once in this movie. Yeah. I was also like, what's up? It looks like they're very much together in this one. I looked it up. I went to like the Twilight Wikipedia or whatever. Oh, wow. So she's, and none of this is really properly explained in the movies, which is why I was confounding. She's like the wife of that dude who dies in the second one, in New Moon, who gets killed by a heart attack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By Victoria. So... That woman and that guy who died are Leah and Seth's parents, which I also forgot that they were siblings. Okay, yeah. So her husband dies, and then I guess she is just, like, hanging out, and then she ends up falling in love with Charlie, which is not in the books. Oh, so that's all just stuff that's happening deep in the subtext of this movie. She's maybe, like, even a bigger part of the books but i think the books end with like a note bella has where she's like i've noticed that she's spending more time with charlie or something like there's a little hint of it but it's not like in the last movie like they are a couple and bella's like i'm glad that he has someone and they go to Mm -hmm. christmas with them it's like a little happy yeah and seth and leo there now that makes sense why seth and leo are there that's their mom like that i should have put that together but i didn't because yeah. she's having Christmas with Seth and Leah and Jacob and Sue and Charlie, which is just like a strange connection, unless you know that that's their mom, which yeah. I feel like I completely missed in whatever movie that was supposed I to be explained too. To, to me. Yeah. Yeah. But all of the wolf stuff is like so, like when Jacob starts yelling about being the grandson of abraham and turning down the alpha and you know i was like okay all right why are you talking why are you digi wolves talking in human voices (laughs) 
Dude, it's like when in the movie Aragon, the dragon talks and she has like a beautiful, like perfectly clear, like elf voice from Lord of the Rings. And you're like, a dragon wouldn't talk like that. That doesn't make any sense. That's a nice one off. It's a nice deep <laughs> do cut. Aragon one day. Dude, if we did, I would tear that to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what else do we have to say about this? Like, before anything we go? else we have to say here at the end of Cold Boy Summer? Look, these movies have been maligned a lot. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that was because they're genuinely bad movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think a lot of that was because of some terrible gender politics. And also, yeah, like horribly morally. Yeah, yeah. But I also think a lot of it has to do with like a toxic masculinity thing of like boys mm-hmm. not wanting to watch girl movies like you're just mm-hmm. talking about. Myself, distance myself from these movies like coming back to it and finishing it you know i feel satisfied that i did and i feel yeah. like every everybody should yeah um it's like it's a cultural icon at this moment you know do yourself a favor get yourself educated you might even find that you enjoy it i was really impressed by how much most of our guests knew about the series an incredible amount <laughs> An incredible amount. And think about all the films we've covered and all the guests we've had. Like, and this is not shade at other guests. It's to point out, like, not many other films engender that sort of dedication. And, like, yeah, knowing, like, having watched it multiple times. Like, we were lucky if guests had seen it once before and, like, had a somewhat understanding or had seen other films in the series, had some understanding of it. But here you'd have people who'd seen the whole series multiple times. Mm Mm-hmm crazy i mean think about how many x-men movies we watch and i would say that probably you and i were the biggest fans of x-men out of anyone we had on for all those episodes for sure and we hadn't even seen every movie no no (laughs) no i cannot imagine doing the entire x-men series again so like i would never get to that same status with x-men that these people are with twilight because oh yeah like i would refuse to watch any of those like or some of those movies more than one time you know yeah i'm looking at you deadpool too <laughs> 13 years after the books nine years after the movie like still beating hard for all these people i also think it's interesting like an interesting look at something that is like it had its moment where everybody was like yes this is wonderful it had its moment where everyone was like is it it's kind of problematic It had its moment where it was, like, so uncool that nobody would look at it. And now it's having its moment again when people are like, yes, okay, we know it's problematic. We know this. Like, Mm -hmm. we know, like, all these issues with it, but we just love it. It's just something that we grew up with. Like, let us have this. Like, at least Stephanie Meyer isn't out here on Twitter saying transphobic. And, like, you know know what I mean? Like, starting Twitter beefs with people let us have something nice i think there's an i think that's an interesting evolution i'm not i'm not here to come down on either side of like whether that's a good thing but i do think that's a fascinating evolution i think it's um really interesting i've just tried i've been trying this whole series to think of like anything else that has the same sort of place in pop culture as these movies do Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to think of you know maybe something similar is the star wars prequels of movies that are, like, widely loved and widely panned. Yeah, there was, like, a whole generation who's like, I know they're bad, but mm-hmm. I love them. And I know all these things about Well, it. it's interesting because, like, when Charity said that about how much she loved each movie as it was coming out, 
Mm-hmm. I think back to I was a mega fan of Harry of the Harry Potter books as a kid. Mm-hmm. As the movies were coming out, I hated almost all of them. <laughs> because I was like, this does not line up. This is not like as good uh-huh. as like as well laid out as like the book or whatever, you know? Uh-huh. Adaptations are tricky. Yeah. That's my yeah. take. I think there's an interesting element of personal involvement too. Like when you're asking Team Jacob or Team Edward. Yeah. Like, like, are you really answering who you think Bella in her situation should end up marrying? Or are you, like, answering who you think is hotter or who yeah. you like more, you know? It's who do you think is hotter. It's who do you identify with. It's yes. who, who do you know. You, like, that's the emphasis. Though. Yeah, exactly. Hunger Games had this thing, too, right? Where it had, like, are you Team Peter? Are you Team Gale? But that Uh was based on Twilight. And that was, like, those people never had as distinct of characterizations, even though I think those books were better. Like, those guys were less distinct from each other, and you had, like, less of an idea, like, what she got going with one or the other than you do in in Twilight. Just because it's, like, the main thing, and they hit it over the head so many times, I guess. But yeah, effective. Fast and Furious is like a kind of a similar thing hmm. in like long running and beloved, but sort of for being like sort of silly and bad yeah. in ways. Yeah, yeah. Or dumb. I think dumb is the best word for the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. But even those don't have like the same thing. Like there's this unique space of pop culture that yeah. Twilight is occupying currently. And you know what? I would I would like to see the legacy sequel. I think you'd need a really strong director to come back and shepherd it. I think we have to see something. Like I think we need to see some like true horror, true drama, high drama, <laughs> deep horror. Something goes badly wrong with these people and they have to deal with it later in life, but of course they're all still young and beautiful. Yeah, but they, but they have like middle age problems. I think it would be interesting. That's interesting. Think... What happens when their daughter is older than they are? Yeah, right. Married to a wolf. Yeah, that's gonna be crazy when when Jacob and their daughter are like in their seventies and they still look like they're freaking eighteen. And they have one third wolf, one third vampire, one third human grandchildren. Yeah, they're really nuts. Well, and that's what I think is so interesting about the last movie is it like kind of gets it starts to get into like the absurdity of monsters raising families, hmm. and like that's compelling to me. I hmm. would watch that movie forever about yeah. like a werewolf raising a vampire baby. Well, is it time to shut down Cold Boy Summer? Is it time to shut down Cold Boy Summer and move to the warmer climes? Emmett, do you want to reveal what our next series is? I would love to. We are going to set our sights on to warmer horizons, mm. and we are announcing our first animated miniseries, Lion King. Disney's The Lion King series. Woo! Woo! That includes the movies The Lion King, The yes, Lion King it. 2, mm-hmm. The Lion King 1 and a half, mm-hmm. The Lion King live-action remake, mm-hmm. and the Beyoncé music film Black is King. Hell yeah. Very excited for these. And we're going to get to talk about sort of the whole history of Disney, which I'm very excited about. We're starting with The Lion King 1994, part of that Disney renaissance. Going on to The Lion King 2 Simba's Pride 1998, talking about 
the direct to VHS sequel movement of Disney. Oh my god, what a movement. Which was such a big thing. Lion King one and a half, two thousand four. Gonna talk about that dry season. Disney we're t- history. We're going to talk about that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, uh-huh. bringing that Tom Stoppard energy. A big Shakespeare connection in all of these. You know, one is based on Hamlet, two is based on Romeo and Juliet. I'm not sure if you knew that, Hamlet. And then not. three is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Wow. And then we're going to talk about their live action remakes with The Lion King 2019. And then we're going to finish talking about Beyonce. <laughs> She's given us so much, she deserves an episode of our podcast, at least. Absolutely. I'm very excited for that one as well, because it looked like an art film and very visually compelling. It's beautiful. And probably better than her performance as a CGI lion. <laughs> well, we will get into that. We don't <laughs> We don't want to upset the beehive before we start this franchise. Wait, any... Any attention is good attention when you're uh, this low down (laughs) the (laughs) rankings as we are. That's fair. That's fair. And you know what I should also mention? I'll just throw this out there. We picked Lanking specifically because we're going to have two very special guests on Tuesday's episode, which will be about the original Lion King. Two people who the Lion King is their favorite movie, so... I think you all should look forward to a treat with that one. Oh, yes, for sure. Very excited for the Beloved listener, imagine this episode ending with some sort of YouTube compilation of all the fun we've had across the series, a yeah. la the yeah. movie ending with you watching clips from every other movie. Oh, I wanted to tell this story when Charity was on, but I will tell it now, and, mm. and hopefully then we can close out this episode. <laughs> Um, But when I was in high school, I was involved in an homage music video to Twilight set to some Owl City song um, (laughs) where they wanted to have us like up in a tree and I was playing like the vampire one. So they were like, yeah, we want to make it look like you jump right up in this tree. So we want you to jump out of this tree and then we're going to play it backwards when we... Oh, okay. (laughs) And it was, it looked pretty cool. It looked pretty cool. Wow. That was that was my, my one great moment on film. That's how they filmed Tenet, so... <laughs> yeah, so me and Robert Pattinson have another thing in common. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Look, I really just think that Christopher <laughs> Nolan might be a lazy filmmaker. <laughs> I think it's interesting that, like, like, both Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson sort of had their long, like, indie careers of, mm-hmm. like... Let me be in weird small movies that people aren't seeing and, like, figure out what I want. And then just recently, like, last couple of years, like, with Kristen and Charlie's Angels and Happiest Season Mm -hmm. and uh, Rob in Tenet and The Batman. Those are them sort of returning to studio movies for the first time, which Damn. is interesting. Kristen did Underwater, too, which oh, I that, see. I want to see that. That looks exciting. It's interesting. And Taylor Lautner just dropped off the face of the earth. Poor guy. Wasn't even in the Shark Boy and Lava Girl sequel. That's a travesty. I still need to see that movie. I do, too. I read that his character just stays masked and silent the whole movie, so that if they make a three and Taylor wanted to return, he could... Damn, he could come he back. He could do it. That's so wild. I hope he does. All right, <laughs> lovely people, lovely listeners. We will see yeah. you on Tuesday when we mm-hmm. discuss with our very exciting guests, The Lion King 1, Hamlet Retold. <laughs>
You know what we're going to talk about? What? <laughs> this is what I'll end it with. We're going to talk about how in the live action remake, they sing Can You Feel the Love Tonight during the day. Dude, nobody wants to talk about that, but I'm here to talk about it. <laughs> okay, well, love you guys. Bye. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.